get your Bible out, we're going to be mainly today in Matthew chapter 6. That's where we're going to be hanging out. Matthew chapter 6. We'll start in verse 5 and we'll go all the way down to verse 13. Um, but we're going to be bouncing around also outside of that. So um, if you are a finger placeholder and you don't use your phone, I'll tell you, go ahead and let's turn to um, Luke chapter 18 and 1 Peter chapter 3. We're going to have all of those handy today as we kind of bounce around God's word. Uh, today as we talk about prayer. I don't know about you and in your life, but prayer is, is one of those things that is more important than any of us, I think, will give credit to. Uh, and I think one of the reasons we miss out on prayer is we might have, not necessarily I want to say this well, but an Old Testament view of prayer that is um, not completed in Jesus the way that we want it to be. And, and I want to tell you, as I think about that, um, this week, was journaling in uh, Nehemiah. And, and I finished it up on Monday, and I don't know if you are familiar with the book of Nehemiah, but at the end, uh, Nehemiah is kind of going through, put it on his heart. He decided to determine whose, whose lineage traced back and whose lineage didn't trace back. And, and there's a group of people who couldn't prove their lineage traced back um, to, to be kind of counted among the people who returned. And, and so this people were set aside, and it said they were set aside. They weren't allowed to be included uh, in the same way until there would be uh, a priest who would bring who would who would help decide using their the urim and the thummim right and and the urim and thummim are, are things that we don't think a whole lot about um, if you were to look it up in your bible you could go back to, to exodus you could see those things referenced here's what we do know we know that they were stones of some sort attached to the breastplate uh, of the priest um, that was used to discern the will of God when it couldn't be discerned uh, other ways. And if you look it up on Google, there's about 400 and seven different kind of pictures of it. I think you can buy your own set for like $9.99 on eBay. I would not. I would not. But, but I think there comes a point in time to where with, with us as believers, we have to say, Lord, do we realize that we aren't waiting on someone who's holier than us to come in and be our go-between between you and I. Because Jesus has done that completely. And, and I was sitting at, at breakfast having a cup of coffee on Monday morning, kind of going through that, and I'm reading about um, this part, and I, I find myself just praising God for a moment in prayer as I'm preaching on prayer this week and looking at what it looks like, just saying, Lord, I, I am so thankful that I don't have to wait for another man, another woman even. I don't have to wait on somebody to come. That because of Jesus Christ, I can come straight to you. And, and in that moment, uh, a young lady starts walking around where I am, and she doesn't look comfortable. And I don't know about you, but, but at the end of the day, as a, as a man, but especially a married man and a pastor, I don't just talk to women randomly in stores. Um, and so she looks uncomfortable, and she's walking all around. And in the middle of that, finally she comes back around, and I'm just saying, Lord, I know you want me to say something to her, so will you let me move all my stuff out of the way? Um, and that began a day of incredible ministry, listening to the Lord open the door. Uh, this young lady had run away, and here she was, miles from home, didn't know what to do. And in that moment, 
God didn't just start speaking to, to me. He started reaching out to our, our staff. Um, God used, I just want to let you know, not only is, is this a time of meaningfulness, but our team all week long is depending on each other. And so in the midst of that, we're talking with, with our missions team and getting a hold of our human trafficking partners here in the area. We're, we're walking with volunteers. We have a prayer net going on in the office over this young lady, scared to death, didn't know what to do. By the end of the day, she was reunited with her parents and God was restoring things. Yeah, it, God is good, church. God is good. Here's the beauty of it. I, nor anyone in our staff, was hoping that someone would come along and interpret the will of God for us. You see, I think there, there can be moments where in the midst of this, we forget that our relationship is the foundation for prayer. It's, it's not um, our, our vocabulary. It's not our dress. Uh, it's not, it, I love it. If you ever walked into a, to a uh, room or a restaurant and you've seen someone with piles of books, right? I, I, I ran to a guy the other day. It's like piles of books. It's, it, it basically says, I'm a preacher. Ask me what I do, right? It's kind of pretty amazing. We come in there. We don't need to seek out some guru somewhere. If you belong to Jesus Christ, I want you to know it is your relationship with him that is your foundation of prayer. And prayer is actually life saturated in the supernatural in your conversation with God. It is communing with the Lord in your relationship. And I think sometimes why prayer feels foreign is because our relationship has been neglected. You know what I mean? For instance, maybe you had a friend in high school that 40 years down the line used to have everything in common with, but if you ran into him today, you wouldn't have anything to talk about because you haven't been caring for that relationship for 40 years. And you might think, man, years ago we had everything in common. What's the difference? Well, the difference is you're not focusing on relationship. With Jesus Christ, with the Lord, I want you to know prayer can feel foreign if we're not remembering day after day that we're a part of something bigger, a bigger relationship with God through Jesus Christ, his son. And, and in that idea, in that reality, what I want to do is just walk through Matthew chapter 6 together. So that maybe in your heart, and your mind, the Lord will start unpacking and, and revealing to you what that relationship looks like. And, and my prayer is that most of this morning is just going to be, I know that, I know that, I know that, because you know Jesus Christ. My prayer is that just the, the Spirit will bring it to remembrance for you. But I want to be careful because as we walk into this, <clears throat> I think a lot of prayer can be hypocritical because it's not founded on a right relationship. It's founded on something very different. Look in your Bible at Matthew chapter six. We're gonna read the words of Christ here. Matthew chapter six, verse five through eight. After this, we're gonna bounce to Luke 18 and then first Peter three as we talk about this, right? What causes prayer to be hypocritical? What causes our prayer to have a poor foundation? The Bible says this, Matthew chapter six, verse five. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues in the streets that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you go, when you pray, go into your room, shut the door, pray to your father who is in secret, and your father who sees you in secret will reward you. 
And when you pray, don't heap empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they'll be heard for their many words. Don't be like them, for your Father who knows what you need, excuse me, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. See, a hypocritical or broken foundation of prayer is the person who looks at you in the mirror every morning. If, if your motive for praying is yourself, what you're going to find is a brokenness in your, in your prayer. In the same way, we'll talk about it, as if our relationships, all of our relationships in life were all about us about what we wanted to say, about what we wanted to be a part of. In this passage, Jesus pretty clearly says this, if you think prayer is about how you can add value to those around you or you can add value to God, you've missed the point. And by that, look at the words of Christ. In the very beginning, he says, listen, when you pray, don't be like hypocrites. They stand and pray in the synagogues and street corners that they may be seen. See, if the motive of a prayer is that you can show others, this is it. This is what I want you. You should want to be me so you could pray like me. I, in fact, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have the best prayers ever. I can't tell you how adding value as the center of public prayer, how many people it causes to stumble. Because if this wrong idea of that's how prayer works falls into place, then it actually keeps us from being willing to pray with others. Prayer is not about what value you get to add to others because of how incredible the prayer we are. And the same way, I love that Jesus takes it a step further. He says, when you pray to God, don't start uttering stuff, right? Look in your Bible, verse seven. When you pray, don't heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. In other words, you can't add value to God. You know, here's the crazy thing. We add words to our dictionary every year. Do you think God ever goes, oh, that's a good one? Whew. Haven't thought about that one before. No. I can absolutely see him saying sometimes like, y'all, there's a reason that's not in the Bible because that's ridiculous. God doesn't need you to add to his vocabulary. You're not adding value to God when you say, hey God, look what I bring to the table. When I pray to you, don't you want more of this? Don't, don't you want just a little bit more of prayers like mine? Because I, God, I even speak your original language, Hebrew, because I'm sure that's the heavenly language. Or I know the Greek root to that word. Let me, let me tell you what it means, God. See, if prayer is based on how you add to others or how you can give God something he's lacking, what Jesus says is that's a false foundation. Don't do that. Now, I want you to go a step further because the Spirit inspires a few things. In Luke chapter 18, Jesus tells a parable, verse 9. Now, I want you to listen to this prayer and how it's me-centric again. He, Jesus, also told this parable to some who trusted themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men, Jesus says, went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. And the Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men. I'm not extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. And I fast twice a week. I give these tithes, I give tithes of all of I get. 
But the tax collector standing afar off would not even lift his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went to his house justified rather than the other. For the one who exalts himself will be humbled, and the one who humbles himself will be exalted. You see, Jesus tells this prayer, and he says, look at these two prayers. One is me-centric. It's overvaluing yourself. It, it, it's saying, Lord, I just want to pray so that you'll know I'm an A-plus student. It just, I just, I'm, I'm looking for your applause, God. In fact, let me tell you the list of things I didn't do today, and I'll give you a short list of things that I did. In, in most churches, this guy could be a deacon or an elder. You know what I'm saying? It's, he's just going through this list. We don't learn anything about the tax collector except in the presence of the Almighty God, he says, I don't have any value to add to you. I, I don't have anything to bring. All that I am and all I am here is because of your grace. Church, when you and I see prayer as a way to, to tip the scales in our favor of grace versus judgment, and we overvalue such things, God says, don't, don't be like that. You don't walk away justified. That's a broken foundation for prayer. So as you're taking notes on this, here's what I want you to know just to start off with. God isn't looking for you to impress him and God is not impressed by you already. He's proud of his children, but he's not impressed by them. And so a foundation of prayer that's hypocritical is when I overvalue myself to God to let him know this is how it works. But I think there's another broken one that we don't look at a whole lot. First Peter chapter three verse seven. We don't we don't read this a lot uh, in church, but I want to I want to read it with you because um, I think a lot of times we need to know that our prayers are on a structured or a broken or a fragile foundation when we devalue God, His Word, and His people. The Bible says this. Likewise, husbands. Live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. As I read about this passage this week, I can't tell you how many articles, uh, blurbs, commentaries online saying, well, nothing can hinder your prayers. God's always listening. If you're yours. The problem is the Holy Spirit, God, inspired this to be written. And says, listen, if you want your prayers to be hindered, then I want you to know that you need to devalue the people that God has placed in your care, and most importantly, your spouse, your wife. You see, when we don't live with our spouse in an understanding way, men, and I'm, I'm telling you, this is directly to you. When a husband chooses not to try to understand his wife and, and elevate her as an offering, as a gift to God, as the priceless, valuable, beautiful creation that she is, then the husband men, you are not honoring the God that you are trying to honor and build a relationship in your prayer. You following me? So, so it, it, it's like 
old school church example going out and, and living for yourself all week long and dressing up for Sunday morning and think that this 45 minutes to an hour is sufficient God will be satisfied you know, when you are not trying to value what God values, when you are, are not living with your wife in a way that seeks that understanding, that seeks to help her grow, to blossom, to be strong, to be bold with the gospel, to be a lady of respect, your prayers are on fragile ground. In fact, it's a little hypocritical to say, God, let me read to you the Lord's Prayer, but quite honestly... I'm just going to do what I want to do how I want to do it anyway. See, God is not deceived when we devalue those around us. So, so that's this hypocritical foundation of prayer. And Jesus says this, all of these prayers, they're not about our relationship, they're about you. I looked at the definition of individualism this week. Individualism is defi defined this way. Individualism is a doctrine that the interests of the individual are or ought to be ethically paramount. I want you to pause. I just want to chew on that for a second. Individualism is the doctrine that the interests of the individual are or ought to be ethically paramount. Now, this is going to be a real source point. Do not raise your hand. How many of our prayers that we offer up are individualistic prayers. My interests, the things I care about, they're paramount. The things that I want, the people I love, they're paramount. The, the things that I think are important, the things that, that I'm not getting right now, the things that I'm struggling with, they're not paramount. Church, sometimes we might realize, we might stop and reflect that our, our prayer life hasn't been about, about our bigger relationship that we're a part of, but instead it's just about us. And, and Jesus says, there's so much more. I, mean, I, I love how he ends verse eight. Look at verse eight again. Before he goes into the Lord's prayer, before all this starts up, look what Jesus says about you. Do you, do not be like them for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Church, here's what you can be certain of as you pray to the Lord. He knows what's on your heart. He knows what you need. He knows where you are. He is not surprised. He didn't step away. He didn't forget you. He doesn't hate you. He loves you. And so knowing that Jesus loves you, knowing that your Father in heaven knows everything you're about to say, then prayer has no need. There's no anchor that has to be tied to me. That's the point. The secret to a healthy marriage. The secret to raising kids who are desperately in love with Jesus Christ. It's not about me. Listen, you want to destroy your spouse? Men, make her conform to your image for the next 50 years. Women, do you want to destroy your husband? Make him conform to your image for the next 50 years. See, the secret of a healthy marriage is denying self. And following hard after Jesus when it comes to the other person, elevating them. Ephesians chapter 5. 
think more highly, think more about them than you. If, if that is true in our earthly relationships within the family of God, how much more true is that with prayer? And so let me do this with you. Let's just strip down the pretense because God is not worried about you focusing on the individual. He knows all about you. The opening of Matthew says, listen, don't, don't be focused on you, but be personal in your relationship and prayer. That's what Jesus is talking about in verse five through eight. If you go to the Luke passage, he would say, don't be individualistic, just focus on the gratefulness of your relationship that you have with God. If you, if you go to the first Peter passage, I think we would hear the same thing. Don't focus on yourself, but be faithful in your relationship with God. You see, church, prayer is not about your education, how you're feeling. Prayer is based on your relationship with God. And so Jesus then says, so when you pray, here's how you can pray. And this prayer is not meant to be a mindless repetition. In fact, I wrote it out and there's a thousand and eleven acronyms. But since we're talking about being a part of something bigger, I want to give you the four P-A-R-T of prayer when it comes to seeing it as relationship in your time this week. Look in your Bible, look at the words of Christ in verse nine. We'll only read verse nine as we use prayer to help us remind us we're part of a bigger relationship. Jesus says, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. I just wrote here, a part of prayer. I'm not saying the first part, the last part. I'm just saying the part of prayer needs to be you and I pouring out our affection on God. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And Jesus used this word father. So not a word that was used very often. It's, it, it's one that has become near and dear to us. It means Daddy. I don't know if you have a daddy, but that's what I had growing up, right? From in South Alabama, I never, I just, we weren't formal. And so it wasn't, you never, you know, came in from getting in trouble or doing whatever and said, oh, father, father, right? Anyone else do that? I mean, I, that was not me. It was daddy, daddy's home. It was daddy's coming. You know what I'm saying? It was this personal, intimate thing. And so when you are pouring out your affection on the Lord, let it be authentic, let it, let it reflect your relationship with a father, with a daddy who is unlike any other. There's a reason that Jesus didn't just say our father. Just start off with our daddy, just, just with affection. But it's realizing that this father, God our father, is not like your earthly father. He's not the same. And Jesus says, our father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. What he's saying is this, to our heavenly father, our, our God that is above all, sovereign above all, who is holy in every single way. You are not imperfect. You are not broken. You don't have sins that I have to forgive or, or habits that I have to get over. So dad, let me tell you how much I love you. Church, we only have earthly examples and I really believe that the, the husband and wife relationship is the closest thing we can get to understanding oneness in the spiritual family. Could you imagine, ladies, what it would feel like if every day when you got up, your husband rolled over and authentically 
blessed you and poured his love out for you. Could you imagine? That'd be a horrible way to start the day, wouldn't it? Like, shh, shh, be quiet. Please, tell me something ugly again. Please, please ignore me for just a while. Can you imagine the nearness, mom and dad? If, if your relationship with your kid, every day you looked and you, you went out of your way and said, let me tell how much I love you today and why I love you specifically. Could, could you imagine what it would be like, what it would do to your relationship? It was that just part of your rhythm. One of my favorite stories in, in, in the whole world is of a friend of mine who, who cared for her children, one with special needs at home. And her husband worked away at work. And every day he would call her before she left the office. He left the office. And when he got home, she dressed up for him and she greeted him at the door that says, we love you and we're glad you're home. Every day. Can you imagine that man was always ready to come home? Because he knew his wife was going to pour his love out on him. Do you know, do you want your prayers to be sweet? Don't be repetitious. Don't just go through the, the words, I am not impressed by my children's vocabulary. But what I am impressed by and, and impressed upon by is by when they just tell me they love me in a way that's authentic and real. In our prayer life, it should never neglect us pouring out our affection on our sovereign daddy. So pour out your affection on the Lord. Go verse further in verse 10. This is what the Bible says. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The second thing I wrote down for my little acronym is this, accept his plans for the day ahead. Accept his plans for the day ahead. This is, I may be blowing up everybody else's prayer life because I've been this way as I like telling God's my plans for the day ahead. Anybody else do that? Like, God, I need you to bless it when I walk out there to have breakfast with my family. And if they're in a bad mood, I need you to do something about it. And, and on my way to work, Father God, I'm taking this route. And if you'd make sure no one cuts me off, because we know they're going to hell, that, that, that we're not doing that. And so if you can make sure that they don't do that, I'm a happy person. And then, God, when I get to work, my boss, could you just help him accept this proposal that I want in front of him today? That would be great, God. And, and quite honestly, I've got this lunch appointment. Could you let it be a big sale? You, have you have you ever done have you ever unintentionally instead of you know father god your kingdom come your will be done i just want to tell you mine and if you'll just do me a favor and help make it holy that would be incredible see what jesus says is accept his plans for the day when we talk about embracing god's word as a part of our vision statement the idea of embrace, what it came down to when Johnny Gibson uh, told us about that, it means to take up gladly. When we talk about embracing God's word, what we mean is we want to take it up gladly in our life. We want to take it up gladly as the, the guide for our life. We take it up gladly as the word of God. It's not drudgery. We enjoy taking it up. We gladly bring it in. When you pray to God, are you embracing? Are you gladly accepting his plans for the day? God, whatever comes, however you pull it out, whatever you choose to do, I want to be a part of it. You see, when God's plans are a part of your prayer and your plans find themselves in a backseat to God's plan, all of a sudden, here's what happens. You start living a frustration-free day. 
I know that sounds impossible, isn't it? You can seek and run hard after Jesus. But when the Lord's plans are what you are striving for, if your day's thrown off a little bit, he knows your request before you ask him. Are you willing to follow him? We were sitting down at breakfast this week as I was thinking about prayer. And, and our, our breakfast, having lunch with some pastors, we've got about an hour and 10 minutes that we can um, sneak away and have breakfast. And as we did, a senior adult man came in, didn't say anything, he ordered his food, he opened his Bible, and it was fantastic. He had a little cardboard, like, like a front of a spiral notebook, right? Folded in half, and he just wrote free prayer on the front of it. It was, it was right there, and he sit there. And of course, all of the pastors here, we're out looking around thinking, man, this will be interesting. Do you know he had to have been a regular? He never lacked company the whole time we were there. I thought, man, there's a man that says, God, I'm gonna go have breakfast today, but it's yours. I'll stay as long as you need me to, or I'll move on. If I don't get every task done today, I'll still be focused, I'll still be faithful, but it's yours. I was thinking about that when I was uh, studying one morning. Uh, there was a couple sitting over here next to me. And, and one lady said, oh, were you at church Sunday? We, we didn't see you at church Sunday. And this is an older couple. And, and the lady said, oh, no, no, no. We just, we didn't feel great. And so it was a little cold, but my daughter and I, we talked. As long as I pray every morning, we know the good Lord's happy with us. And you know what came through my mind in that moment? I need to write their name down as a point of accountability on a who's your one I just want to remember that I want to start praying for the opportunity to talk to her about Jesus Christ in a meaningful, authentic way. You see, when we start embracing God's plans instead of just laying our plans out as a plan of prayer for him, we start to see that God sets the agenda. It's so much sweeter way of living. And if you look at the, the first and the second half of this Lord's Prayer, what you're going to find out is these first two verses, all they talk about is completely about God. And the last few verses of the prayer talk about our engagement with God and obedience. It made me think of the Ten Commandments. And in the beginning, it's all about God so that we have a right understanding of Him that the rest of the, the, the law falls underneath. Listen to how the tone changes just a little bit in verse 11 and 12. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. I wrote my R. Just request his best for your life and for others. Just God... What is your best for today? Give me, you give me my daily bread. I couldn't get away from manna from our conversation last week, right? That, that it was enough for the day and it spoiled if you carried over. That in, in obedience to God, Lord, I just want exactly what you want for me. I want exactly where you want me to be and I want that for the others in my life. And in our life, we wanna make sure that God, you know, if I get out of whack, if I get out of place, that Lord, I desire your forgiveness in my life because that's your best for me you see forgiveness is God's answer to alienation in relationship have you thought about that you see if someone sins against you friend foe husband wife child 
leader boss. It creates distance in relationship. And the only way for alienation to be removed is by the one who was offended, not the offender. So what Jesus says is this, God wants a restored relationship with you. So when you ask for his best, ask him to forgive your sins because that's pushed you from him. It's made you forget you're a part of something bigger and it's brought the focus back on you. At the end, he says this in verse 13, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. I wrote my T, trust his care as he leads you. I think this is why silence is so important in prayer to me. I, I, I think it's why God shows us over and over, men of God, Jesus Christ, getting away to be with the Lord. Because silence is trust, isn't it? I mean, if you've come before the Lord and you've poured out your love on his heart, on his life, if you've said, God, I want to accept your agenda, your plan for the day. And in the midst of all of that, you've requested his best. There needs to be a moment to listen to the Lord. There needs to be time to be still before God. Because the king of all kings, the one who is wise beyond wisdom, I think he has things that he desires to share with you. He went through great lengths to build the bridge. So will you trust him enough to close your lips, to let your mind be smitten, and let the word speak volumes, the Lord speak volumes to you. I'm not there yet in our relationship. And I've told you before, there's an example, a day in my mind I can't forget. Christy and I sitting on the river walk and a senior adult couple sitting over here to our right. A newlyweds to our left, they wouldn't be quiet. But the senior adult couple, they visited about a few things and then they just stopped and they delighted in one another. They weren't bored, they weren't angry. He was madly in love with her and she knew it. And he listened as she kept his gauge and he listened as she smiled and fed the birds. I don't just want that in my marriage. I want that with my creator my sovereign daddy and you don't have to wait till you grow old because you're a part of a bigger relationship through Jesus Christ as we prepare to take the Lord's Supper today it's a family it's a relationship thing 
there's nothing from keeping you to be a part of God's family. He designed you that way. It's only through alienation of yourself and sin that you don't enjoy the gift of that Abba, that daddy relationship. The same Savior who spoke these parables. He went from heaven to earth to build a bridge through that believing in him you might be a part of something bigger. It begins with confession, asking forgiveness. God, I've done this. I've pushed you away. I have alienated you. And it ends with trust saying, Father, I want to be a part of something bigger. So I trust Jesus as Lord of my life. I pour out my love. I embrace his plans. I request his best.